There is so much discussion going on about the kingdom of God and what the book of Revelation says about the end times and so forth. We decided to do a rather broad and somewhat comprehensive study of it, and we're starting right now. We're glad you're with us. You're here at the right time. We are discussing the kingdom of God coming to the earth, and the proposition that we are making here is that from the earliest times, whatever that is, before the earth was founded, let's put it that way, God intended to have his kingdom on earth. And this kingdom on earth would match the conditions of earth. By that, I mean it would be material as well as spiritual. So to see how far back the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, you can find it in Matthew 25, 34, where Jesus is talking about his second coming. And he says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Here we are. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So this kingdom was prepared from the foundation of the world. It's not a later addition that God decided to do or to take away, but it is from the very foundation of the world. When you look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, it says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, notice this, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And so when we look at this, we see that there is a kingdom coming that shall never be destroyed and that it shall stand forever. So when we look at this and we, we read those scriptures and then we say, well, what does that kingdom look like? What does the Bible have to say about that kingdom? Today, we're going to talk about that because both the Old Testament and the New Testament clearly and plainly state that there is a kingdom of God which is coming to the earth. And this kingdom of God which is coming to the earth, the establishment of it on earth has been prophesied and anticipated for centuries. This is not a new thing. This is from the foundation of the earth. God has intended to do this. And when you look in the Old Testament, you will discover a large bulk of prophecy is focused on this coming, on this coming kingdom, its characteristics, what it looks like, and how it will occur. The coming kingdom of God to the earth is a major topic of both the Old Testament, we're going to see this, as well as the New Testament. So we ask ourselves, what will it look like? 
what will be the shape and the form of that kingdom? Now, the first scripture I read tonight reveals that, or today, is that God's intent for the earth is to establish his kingdom on the earth forever. When you read Matthew 25, 34, and you can see that forever looking back, God has intended to establish this kingdom, and that scripture specifically connects the kingdom to the very purpose of when the earth was founded. And again, when you look at Daniel 2.44, it's looking forward and telling us that that kingdom is going to come and that it will stand forever. So we want to see if we can locate that kingdom and learn more about it today and in the few days coming. Jesus reinforces the centrality of this subject, the fact that the kingdom is a major subject in Scripture. He reinforces that uh, and of his coming by his teaching. The coming kingdom of God to earth was obvious when he taught the disciples to pray. And as we have stated in the past, Jesus, they said, teach us to pray. And he said, when thou prayest, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this was the very first thing Jesus told us to pray about and told the disciples to pray about was the coming of the kingdom of God to earth. Now, nothing could be more clear than that this is a primary subject that the very ministry of Jesus, that the very prayer that Jesus told us to pray is that the kingdom of God would come to earth. So let's take a closer look. In the Old Testament, God promises to Israel that the coming king of the kingdom will come through the family of their most famous king, which is David. God said, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. That's what God promised to David. And so the Lord reiterates this in the strongest language possible. Listen to this. Thus saith the Lord, if ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites and the priests and my ministers. So you can't get much stronger than that, that God is saying, if you can break the covenant that there's going to be a day and there's going to be a night, and you can change all of that. Okay, if you can do that, then you can believe that my covenant with David is not going to be forever and that my kingdom coming is a promise that is going to be filled forever. So this is a pretty hard scripture to get around. Listen to Isaiah 55 and 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Here in your soul shall live, and I will make 
an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So this is what the Old Testament talks about. There are those who believe that these Old Testament promises of a coming kingdom were all folded into the church and that any fulfillment of them found must be found in the church age. Now, the, the proposal of these that teach this is that the Jews, by their unbelief, forfeited and lost every promise to them that was made as a people. The proposal then is that the church age is the only coming of the kingdom of God on the earth. This is what people teach. Not the Bible, but this is what people teach. This makes the church age and the millennium, or the kingdom to come, to be one and the same. And at the close of the church age, Christ shall return to his kingdom, the church. This is what he's taught. But will not establish a future post-church kingdom on earth for a thousand years and beyond. Now, they believe that in spite of Matthew 6 and 9, they believe that in spite of Luke 13, 28, which says, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out and they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall set down in the kingdom of God. So obviously here, the kingdom that Jesus is talking about in the New Testament is ag actually the kingdom, he's the one that set it, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and it's the kingdom that you're going to come and set down in. So this verse is indicative that the Old Testament kingdom discussions are not simply folded into allegorical interpretations and applied to the church. It is also indicative that the Abraham and Isaac and Jacob statement is an inclusive statement of the Jewish people. Here, these scriptures show the ongoing uh, continuity of the Old Testament kingdom promises into the future. Otherwise, why would you reveal the information that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob shall be there? This also shows that in that kingdom, the Gentiles of the world shall come and set down in that kingdom. So now we're learning a little more about that kingdom. The glorious coming of a physical presence of King Jesus with a real throne in Jerusalem, they would say that that's not real. They would say that in spite of an angel that told the disciples when Jesus ascended, the angel said, and the Bible says that the angel told them, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, notice what the angel said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up, from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Acts 1, 10 and 11. This indicates that there is a physical 
bodily return of Jesus and that it is a visible return. They watched him go up in heaven. He will come back in like manner. It's physical body return. It is a visible return. I emphasize these things because there are people in different groups that say that he's not coming back physically. There's others that say that physically he never even rose from the grave. The body doesn't even matter. It was resurrection of the spirit. All of those are not true. This is also a recognizable return when he comes back. As you've seen him go, you knew him. When he comes back, you will know him. It is a return bodily from heaven that Jesus himself describes it thusly. I'm quoting, For as lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and there shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather the elect from the four winds from one side of heaven to the other. This is a description of the profundity of when Jesus Christ comes back. Now, like I said, there are those that, that teach, uh, and we've talked about this earlier, that this was not the teaching of the New Testament church, and we can prove and have proven on other discussions of this, that the earliest post-apostolic believers, those that were taught by the apostles themselves, or some of them that were taught by those who were taught by the apostles, the next generation, they, they totally did not teach uh, what I'm about to say. That is that uh, the kingdom now has nothing to do with anything except the church. This is what uh, an amillennialist would say. The church is the final work of God on the earth. At his second coming, there will be no millennial kingdom set up. There will be no permanent kingdom set up. Instead, the new heavens and the new earth will occur. And meanwhile, Israel has forfeited all of its covenant promises, even though God said night and day would cease before those covenants would be removed. I don't, I, I don't know how you get around that. Israel will not have a renewal, will not be a blessing to the world, and will not come into divine riches. That's what these folks teach. These ideas certainly don't square with scriptures, such as Romans, listen to this, Romans 11 and 11, talking about natural Israel. Have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Listen to the next verse, Romans 11 and 12. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, okay, because they fell, we've received the riches of, of uh, salvation. And if the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles has come, how much more will those blessings be with their fullness? The full indication here is, is there is a fullness of those blessings coming to them and the richness of the blessings that we see now in the church age. How much more will those blessings be with the fullness? Look at verse 15 in Romans 11. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, okay, they're cast away. 
and revival has come to the Gentiles. Acts 15, 14, God is taking out of the Gentiles a people for his namesake at this time. If, but if the casting away has created this, then what will the reconciling of them be? What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? This is talking about Israel. This is revival. Look at Romans 11, 24 through 27 and verse 29. Listen, listen closely. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. When the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, then this verse is finished. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away in godliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. For, this is a very important line, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So, so God has made these promises, and he will fulfill these promises. 